Good morning. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And I want to thank you for the privilege of your time, for being with us on this, the Lord's Day. Man, we are so excited because we are here to help you become all that God wants you to be. We're living in some perilous times. I mean, it is tough out there with the pandemic. And I know many of you who are parents are struggling with whether or not to let your children go back to school. Those of you who are out there working you're trying to decide if you're going back to work and how to protect yourself here's what I want you to know in the midst of it all God is still on the throne and we honor him today we give him the glory we give him the honor we give him the praise because he so richly deserves it thank you for giving us an opportunity to inform your head inspire your heart and encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be listen if you have a family member, a friend who you think will be blessed by this broadcast, share it with them, like it. Remember, there's never been a better time for hope. Our scripture reading today is coming from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for this day that you have made. God, you have made this day that you have never made before, and we're grateful for an expression of your grace, mercy, and love to allow us to see this day. We pray now that all that we do will honor you, would give you glory and honor, would bless your people and encourage them to be all that you want them to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask your blessings. Amen. Now listen, August the 21st, is the day that has been set apart as World Senior Citizens Day. But you know what? We decided that we were going to celebrate the entire month. We're going to celebrate until we run out of super seniors. That's what we're going to do. And it's important for us to do that because we always want to remember the bridges that brought us over. I'm grateful to God. I'm the sixth pastor in 148 years, and several of these members came after I came, but many of those that we are celebrating were here when I came. I want to say thank you to Brother and Sister Wright, Brother Willie Wright and Sister Lena Wright. They have been part of this church for 26 years. They literally came right after I came and have been such a blessing and such a source of encouragement along with their daughter, who has been our longest tenured staff member here, Sister Kim. I am grateful for the rights. We also want to acknowledge Sister Matilia Gray. Sister Gray, now she has a little special distinction, y'all. She's the 18th basilisk of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. 
but she's a member of this church and loves her pastor and we love her so much we thank God for her sister Vernita Grimes has been a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord for many years we're grateful to God for sister Vernita Grimes we want to lift sister Emma Evans up and thank God for sister Emma Evans and sister Evans you can be my partner anytime you want to be we ain't gonna tell nobody what we talking about just me and you we understand right brother Willie Chappelle always sits right back here in the back of the church always speaks always such an encouragement to me as pastor I'm grateful to God for brother Willie Chappelle sister Georgia Stevens mother Stevens man we honor her today we're grateful to God for her Uh, she serves in the background but has been such an integral part of our church family and we're grateful to God for her and then the one and only Deacon Johnny Bernard man we've got to give Deacon Johnny Bernard a shout out Deacon Bernard was acting like a deacon before he became a deacon. He was always calling and checking and sending cards to people and just loving people and encouraging people. And I'm just so grateful for that spirit because when I came here to the Good Hope Church, he brought that same spirit to the table with me. And I'm grateful to God for his leadership here and his servant attitude. Deacon Johnny Bernard, we thank God for you on today come on let's get ready to give god some praise this is the day the lord has made let's rejoice and be glad in it let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise let's be thankful and be grateful to god for the lord is good and we're going to give him the praise on this day come on put your hands together wherever you are and let's sing praise to the lord come on put your hands together right where you are to give God some glory. Come on and give him some praise. You can give him a high praise. Oh, we bless your name. We give you glory, God. Y'all ready?
Come on, somebody declare today, he's the Lord over my life. And Jesus, not only you are Lord, but thank you for loving us and for, for dying for us, God. We love you more than anything. More than anything, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Millions of words can't describe the feeling I have down inside. It's hard to contain. It's hard to contain it. So I'll simply so say, I'll simply say yes. I love you. I love you. Can you lift your hands where you are and just tell the Lord how much you love him? Oh, we love you, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing that together, everybody. Say millions of words can't describe the feeling I have down, way down inside. Oh. Saint is gas. So I'll simply say, Oh Jesus, I love you. I love you. Because you first loved me. Come on, say, Because you first loved me. I'm returning my love back to you. This is my offering. Turning my love, yes, back to you. There is no other love, no other love, no, quite like yours. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love. Because you first loved me, yeah. You first loved me. I'm returning my love back to you. This is my offering. I'm returning my love back to you.
Unconditional way, not because of what God does, but because of who He is. And the truth is, He's done enough in your life already. If He doesn't do anything else for you, He's done enough right now to warrant your love for the rest of your life. Yeah, just say it for yourself. Just say, Jesus, I love you. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Come on, somebody lift your hands wherever you are. Just say, Jesus, I love you. thank you and bless you for this day we pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say that it will be pleasing in your sight anoint me now afresh Holy Spirit have your way speak through this fragile failing falling creature your power might come forth and encourage somebody to run on to see what the end will be it's in Jesus name we pray amen I'm convinced my brothers and sisters that nothing will change your life like a change in perspective even if your situation doesn't change, even if your circumstances don't change, just changing your perspective on the situation can make all the difference in the world. Not just a change in terms of eyesight, in terms of how you see something, but for somebody else, a change in insight that is rooted in new information or maybe reflecting on old information that changes your perception and therefore changes your perspective. 
And one of the things we must do in life as children of God is constantly fight this betwixt and between, this struggle that we have to view the world through the lens of humanity versus viewing the world through the lens of divinity. Will we allow God's perspective to super rule and override our perspective on what's going on in our life and in our living? Today, for a few moments, I want to continue our series, The Joy Campaign, and I want to talk to you today from the thought, having a godly perspective for a joy-filled life. Having a godly perspective to have a joy-filled life. This is part two of a message that we started on last week. As we're walking through the book of Philippians, the joy campaign is a study through the book of Philippians and our underlying theme is living a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. If we've ever needed joy before, we sure do need it now. And in the first, uh, the first chapter of Philippians chapter 1, we see some of Paul's greatest scriptural hits, uh, scriptures that we have memorized, scriptures that have encouraged us and inspired us down through the years as believers. And today we will look at another one of those verses. How to have a godly perspective so you can live a joy-filled life. Now, the book of Philippians, you will recall, was written somewhere between 60 and 63 A.D. by the Apostle Paul. It's called the prison epistle because he was under house arrest in Rome when he wrote this epistle to the saints at Philippi. The church at Philippi was a church that he planted, but he wasn't able to be there long. It was a strategic church because it was on the Ignatian Way. It literally was on the path that led between Asia and Europe. It was a commercial city, so people who worked there typically traveled throughout the empire. And Paul knew if that church flourished, if that church was birthed and would literally help people come to know Jesus, it could literally be the launching plat, a pad of a ministry that could change the world for Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to these saints, and 16 times in four chapters, we see the word rejoice or joy or derivative thereof used. Because Paul wants the saints at Philippi to know and wants you and I to know that our joy is independent of our circumstances. And Paul, in, first, in this first chapter of Philippians, we're going to start at verse 21, literally lays out for us the perspective that you and I need to have if we are going to have a joy-filled life. Last week, we talked about focusing on honoring Jesus Christ with your body. 
That if you're going to have a joy-filled life, you need to recognize that God is the owner, you are the steward, your body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. And when you recognize that your body belongs to God, that means what God does with your body, through your body, for your body, in your body, out of your body, is all right with you because you recognize that your body is not your body. That you have been brought from death to life and you have been bought paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. But Paul makes a shift now as we get to verse 21. He gets to encourage us to understand why he has this perspective of glorifying God in his body whether he lives or dies. Why, why does Paul have this, what some would call this cavalier attitude facing possible death as he is awaiting this trial before Caesar as a Roman citizen why, why is Paul so calm why does he have so much peace how is it that Paul could have joy when he's facing possible death it's right here in verse 21 here's the first thing I want you to see today number one you need to focus on having a godly perspective of life and death. You need to focus on having a godly perspective of life and death. Look at verse 21, Philippians chapter 1. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. Death of COVID cases around this world have exceeded 20 million. 750,000 people plus have died at the hands of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, we've seen 5 million cases in our country alone and over 170,000 deaths. And with all of this death going on around us, here's what I have felt. I don't know about you. My, my theology of life and death has been put to the test. My, my theology of, of how to handle death, because we have been so bombarded, it, it has literally been like, like a death tsunami that has come at us. And, 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 and we have had to deal with death at a level that we have never had to deal with it before. I had a gentleman come to me, and he said to me, he said, um, Pastor, let me ask you a question. Uh, you, you Christians, you believe in, in heaven. And I said, yes, we do. He said, you believe heaven is a better place than, than earth. I said, yes, we do. He said, well, then why is it so many Christians are having such a hard time when people are dying, especially family members and friends who they believe are Christians? Sobering question. See, the truth of the matter is, even though we know in our heads 
that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The truth of the matter is, even the best of believers, we look at the death of a loved one first and foremost through the lens of our humanity and not through the lens of divinity. We say we weep, but not like those who have no hope, but we weep like those who have no hope. Because in our selfishness, we want to hold on to our loved ones. And Paul utters words that many believers quote and have memorized. But do we really understand the perspective that Paul has regarding life and death? Listen to what Paul says. A, he says you need to realize what it means to live for Christ. You need to realize what it means to live for Christ. What, what, what did he mean? For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Uh, there's a challenge there for all of us. If, if we recognize that for you and for me to live is Christ, uh, that means uh, one, that you've got to present your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice. That, that's what God expects for you to live. If you're living for Christ, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, look at it, if you will. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To live is Christ, is to live dedicating yourself to the Lord as an act of spiritual worship. But, but secondly, it's not just giving the Lord your body, you've got to also give the Lord your mind. If you are going to live for Christ, you've got to give him your mind. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, we destroy those arguments and take every thought, every one of our thoughts captive to obey Jesus Christ. He says, you, you got to give him your body, you got to give him your mind. And you got to live every moment. For me to live is Christ means when I'm living, I've got to make sure Christ is gaining from me living. How is God using me to minister? How is God using you to minister? How is God using you to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? When Paul says, for me to live is Christ, here's, here's the question I want to ask you. What are you living for? What are you living for? See, it, it, it sounds spiritual, and for some of us, we say it in a kind of trite way. For me to live is Christ. Are you really living for Christ? 
I submit to you that many of us are, are living for cash, cars, commodities, and, and creature comforts. Some of us are living for fame and position. Some of us are living for family and friends. Some of us are living for fame and recognition and honor and popularity and recreation and gratification and sensuality. We are living for a whole lot of things other than Christ. We might stick Jesus in there on a Sunday. We might stick Jesus in there sometimes on a midweek. But are we really living for Christ? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. It's as if Paul says, it's Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noonday. Jesus when the sun goes down. It's, it's Jesus, what I do, what I say, how I live. I'm thinking about Jesus and honoring Christ in Everything I do, look at John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Matthew 20, beginning at verse 26. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. But watch the second thing. Look at B. You need to realize what it means to die with Jesus Christ. You not only need to realize what it means to live for Jesus, but Paul says you got to learn and recognize, have the proper perspective on what it means to die with Jesus Christ. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Wait a minute. But to die is gain. Now, let's be honest. The natural mind has to wonder when you hear that phrase, what, what, Paul, what, what are you talking about? To die is, is gain. I mean, somebody would have to read this and, and in their natural mind said, you, you must be out of your mind to claim death as gain. Most people don't believe dying is gain. And even more people don't act like dying is gain. Come on, all of us have been to the funerals, have been to the cemeteries, have heard family members crying over loved ones. Don't leave me. Don't, don't go. What am I going to do without you? Uh, why did you leave me? Why did you, why did you take off from me? Uh, they, they're angry at their loved ones for dying. Mad because they feel like they've been left alone. But Paul says to die is gain. It's as if Paul is saying, listen, whatever happens on earth, whatever I receive on earth, whatever rewards, whatever blessings I receive, even my blessings from God pale in comparison to my life in eternity. He says to die is gain. We, we are literally transferred into the presence of Christ. Into the land of no mores, no more heartaches, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hatred, no more tears. He says, you, you, you die, but there's gain on the other side of death. And I want you to think about this. How many times do we avoid it? How many times do we fight against it? 
But even more importantly than that, how many times when it comes, do we struggle with accepting it? I'm talking about having a godly perspective. See, as a believer, you need to realize that that when Paul utters these words, for me to live is Christ and die is gain, Paul is literally saying for the saint, it's a win-win situation. He said, if I live, it's a good thing. If I die, it's a better thing. I can't lose. It's a win-win situation. For me to live is Christ. I can give glory to him and to die is gain because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So here's a question I want to ask you. What does life mean to you? Why are you living? What is your great purpose in life? I want you to take this test and, and fill in the blank. Don't, don't, don't fill it in with what you think is the right answer. And you don't even have to share the answer. I want you to fill it in with what is the real answer. For me to live is blank and to die is blank. Right? I want you to think about that. We're going to leave it on the screen for a minute. For, for me to live is blank. And to die is blank. Now, here's how some of us fill in the blanks. For me to live is money and to die is being broke. For me to live is fame and to die is being forgotten. For me to live is power and to die is to be weak. For me to live is to have a closet full of clothes and to die is to have a closet full of no-name garments. For me to live is to have stylish purses, even if they're empty. For me to die is to not be able to pretend to have what I don't have. See, your philosophy in life needs to be for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Period. That needs to be your philosophy. That needs to be your perspective of life and death. Now, I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, but I love mama. I understand you love mama. I understand you love your husband. I understand you love your wife. I understand you love your children. But you've got to have a godly perspective if they know the Lord. Because watch this. If you don't have a godly perspective on death, you won't have a godly perspective on life. If, if you don't have a godly perspective on life, you won't help them to come to know you and know the Lord as their personal Savior. Right? You won't help them to come to know Jesus. You won't spread the word of God so other people who need the Lord will come to know him. See, that's the only way. That you can have a proper perspective of death is when you have a proper perspective of life. I've got to know that my life belongs to him. And because my life belongs to him, death is not the end. It's just a transition to a better place. And watch what Paul says. Watch what Paul says. He says, uh, verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet 
Which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. That word depart literally means to take off. It, it speaks to uh, taking down your tent and wrapping up your camp because camping time is over. It's time to leave. It, it was used to describe a ship that was anchored. Uh, it was tied and, and you would untie that ship and get ready to take off. He says, it is my desire to depart because Paul sees death as an agent of liberation. So he's caught between two desires. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul says we, we'd rather give up this body. We'd rather lay down this mortal. Let it return to the dirt. Let it return to the earth. Let it return to the ashes so that we can do what? Be at home with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. John 5, 24, come on, read it with me at home, if you will. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Romans 14, 8, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Here's the second and final thing I want to share with you. Number two, you need to focus on helping people grow in giving glory to God. We're talking about having a godly perspective to have a joy-filled life. You need to have a godly perspective about life and death. But secondly, you need to focus on helping people grow in giving glory to God. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So here's what Paul says. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm, 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 I'm caught between... Uh, two good things I can't lose it's a win-win situation if I stay I can do more for the work of Jesus Christ but if I die I go home to be with the Lord but watch what Paul says in verse 24 but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account now remember he's sitting in prison he's waiting for trial and this trial is going to determine whether he lives or dies He's convinced that he would be found innocent of the false charges and released from prison. But if he's not, he's okay with that. Because he knows he belongs to God. God is ultimately in charge. And to live is Christ 
to die is gain. And I love what he says in verse 24. Basically, here's what he says. If I stay, (laughs) I'm staying for your sake. I'm not staying for my sake. Right? When we have loved ones go home to be with the Lord, when they close their eyes on this side and open their eyes in glory, if you gave them a choice to come back to a land of sickness and suffering and sorrow or stay in the presence of God, which would they choose? And if they had a chance to answer you, here's what they would say, something like Paul. <laughs> Whew, if I came back, it would be for your sake, not for mine. I'm good right here. I'm good where I am. Look at A. What do you help people to do? A, help people make progress in the faith. Help people make progress. Help people advance in the faith. Help people to further their walk with God in the faith. Paul says, if I, if I come back, Look at verse 25. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Watch this. It's not just about the joy that you have. It's also about the joy that you help other people to have. How do you encourage other people in their walk in the Lord to make progress in their faith? And then look at B, help people experience joy in the faith. Help people experience joy in the faith. That word for joy, cheerfulness, calm delight. How do we help people to make progress in the faith? And how do we help people to make progress in their joy, to have joy in their faith. Paul says that's what we've been called to do. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I stay, I stay for your sake. But here's the reason I would stay, in order to help you progress in your faith and in order for you to grow in your joy, in your faith. Can I tell you something about this perspective on life? It it really helps to simplify your life and living. It really does. I mean, if that becomes the mantra of your living, for me, I mean, really becomes the mantra, not just something that you've memorized. I mean, if you really live your life, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm living for Christ on earth, and I'm living ready for heaven while I'm on earth so that if I close my eyes in earth and open up my eyes in heaven it's good it's it's all good because for me to live is Christ I'm living for Christ to be made manifest through me and if I stay I'm gonna live to bless others to know Jesus and if I die I'm gonna be in heaven What a a perspective on life. 
two instruments that can change your perspective. They do it in, uh, in similar ways in that they magnify objects and items and allow you to see them in a way that you can't see them with the naked eye. Telescopes and microscopes. When you look through a telescope, if you've ever had an opportunity to look through a telescope, or maybe even a pair of binoculars, you, you can see objects that are far away. And, and if you're like some people, the first time they look through a pair of binoculars or a telescope, they, they reach out like they can touch the object. It, it's far away, but, but the lenses bring it real close. You feel like you can touch it. That microscope gives you an opportunity to look at something real close, but not just look at it. You can look through it and you can look in it and see it at its very core. And God, I believe, is saying to somebody, I want you to be like, like that telescope. Bring, bring Jesus closer to somebody. So when they look through you, they see Jesus, right? They, they see somebody who's living for him, and they see somebody who's ready to, to die for him. Can, can I tell you something else? When you live and recognize to die is gain, it puts all of the stuff that we spend our lifetime trying to get in proper perspective. The stuff that we worry about, the stuff that you stress over. If dying is gain, then I don't have to worry about living for the temporal things of this world because I'm living for Christ. And when I close my eyes, I will gain with him. How's your perspective on life? I'm telling you, your perspective is key to your joy. And one of the best ways to have joy is to not only have a proper understanding of life, but to have a proper understanding of death. Because for the believer, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Father, we thank you and bless you today. We pray that you will bless your word as it's gone forth. Pray, God, that you have used this offering in spite of all that's been done and said to glorify you. We trust you to have your way. Find somebody where they are and help them get to where you want them to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
There are only two kinds of people in the world, people who know Jesus and people who need him. If you need him, you need to come and know him. And if you know him, you need to grow in him. For those of you who may be looking for a church home and you would like to become part of the Good Hope Church on this virtual platform, I welcome you to go to our website, go to the app, click the button that says, I want to join the church. And we will walk you through what it takes to become a member of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. But if you've never asked the Lord into your life, I want to lead you in a prayer now to help you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's a very simple prayer. And I believe if you pray this prayer with me, by faith, that the Lord Jesus Christ will come into your heart, come into your life. Bow your heads, if you will, wherever you are. And let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me, if you will. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I want to turn away from my sinful life to the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from my past. Make me new. I know your son, Jesus Christ, died for me. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. At this very moment, I accept, confess, and proclaim Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, come in my heart and live in my heart from this day forward. In your name we pray. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer and you were sincere and meant it from your heart, that the Lord Jesus has come into your life and we want to help you in your walk with the Lord. If you've just accepted Christ, I want you to go to our website, go to the link and click, I just accepted Christ, now what? And there are five things that we want to encourage you to do as you begin your walk with the Lord. Now, as we prepare to go, if you'd like to support this ministry in giving, there are several different ways that you can give and we would uh, love for you to be a partner with us in the kingdom building work uh, with all of the wonderful things that God is doing through this ministry locally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, we're about to commission our second full-time missionary to the continent of Africa. Our first went to Ghana, um, and they're still on the mission field. This uh, next missionary, Pastor Mark Sloan and his wife, Marshall, will be heading to Uganda there will be full-time missionaries there and we're excited about what God is going to do through them and I want you to know that you can partner with us in taking hope to the world and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ 
in a powerful, powerful way. He's going to equip and train pastors there teaching at a seminary. He is seminary trained and we're looking forward to God and what God is going to do through him and Sister Marshall out in the country of Uganda. We would love for you to join us in sponsoring the Sloans on that mission endeavor. All right. Listen, remember God is doing something wonderful in you. Don't ever question what God is doing. Don't doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Remember, God has his hands on you and the work that he has begun in you, he will bring it to completion until the end of time. All right. Come on, let's give glory to God. Sing with one another. God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in me. Something awesome and incredible that only He will get the glory. God is doing something wonderful, incredible and awesome. God is doing something wonderful in me. Come on, look at somebody and encourage them. Tell them God is doing something wonderful in you. Come on, sing it with us. God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in you. Something awesome and incredible, but only He will get the glory. God is doing something wonderful, incredible and awesome. God is doing something wonderful so in you.